Welcome to the Sacred Soul Podcast. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is so sacred. I'm your host, Vanessa Soul. Today's guest is Christopher Aaron Hager. He is a devoted family man, cherishing his beloved partner and children, striving to be present and nurturing husband and father. His life purpose revolves around embracing both the sacred masculine and feminine energies that reside in each of us, recognizing this as a catalyst for tangible transformation in our world. He has a beautiful gift to serve as a conduit to higher dimensions. He extends his spiritual gifts by offering channeling sessions, allowing individuals to connect with the inner guides and higher selves. In addition, Christopher dedicates his time to guiding individuals and couples through embodiment practices, fostering a deeper connection to their authentic selves. Furthermore, he plays a pivotal role as a co-facilitator in a men's retreat known as a Divine Masculine Embodied DME, an initiative that has thrived over the past 18 months. These transformative weekends provide a nurturing community for those on a diverse path of spiritual exploration, whether they are well-versed in their journey or seeking a meaningful starting point. I am so happy to have our guest, Chris, here with us today. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. It feels so good. And today I have a dear friend with me, Chris who is here, and um, we're going to dive into a really good conversation. But first off, I just want to say thank you, Chris, for being here. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me, and I am equally as excited to be here and uh, jump in and see where this beautiful conversation leads us. Amazing. Love it. So first, tell us who you are and maybe who you are not. I love asking that question just because we're all always reinventing ourselves and expanding into new narratives and releasing our old self and going through this grieving process and like we're finding ourselves almost every day or every month. And so if you can give us a glimpse into your world, how do you see yourself and, and maybe who you're not as well? Sure. Um, that is a beautiful question and it uh really tails into something that uh, i've been a lot more intentful with um over the last five six months um i'd shared with you that i uh, had a overdose experience um uh, on uh, intermuscular ketamine which led to a stint in rehab for a little bit to get through that and what i realized i was in a very dark place right i a lot of the modalities that had helped me get to a very conscious place uh, i had left uh, because i wasn't journaling as much and i wasn't doing my breath work and my prayers and my gratitude and all these beautiful modalities that we have uh to to help us out and i was in this depression and a lot of that came from uh, separating from work um, and finding something new and realizing that the money wasn't it anymore. And then not having as much money was like this big coalition of, of things that were stirred up in me. And as healthy as I felt at times spiritually, I also saw myself starting to slip into this depression. And so, uh, you know, had you asked me that question uh, 
probably even, you know, a year ago, maybe even six, seven months ago, I don't know if I would have been able to answer that. And as I started to work my way through it, because I knew that, heck, you know, <laughs> a lot of the things, uh, a lot of the part of me logically knew, like, well, if I just stay the course and I, you know, I, I stay in my sobriety right now and I, you know, stay away from these things and I, I continue to go back to the journaling and the, the breath work and the prayer, the meditation, that those things will help. But I didn't have the feeling like they were like I was going to get through it, like those things were really going to help me. And after I sat with this healer uh, one day, uh, Peter Evans, who gave me a, a beautiful guided, one of the most powerful uh, psychedelic experiences that I've ever had without any psychedelics, I came back to my house and I was walking up the stairs. I felt the sunlight on my face. I'd heard this beautiful quote uh, from this podcast. And it said, you know, a lot of times when we've been, uh, when we're shrouded in darkness, we think that we've been buried. Uh, but really you've been planted. And mm -hmm. I, I remember hearing that and just going like, holy shit, man. Like that, the the beauty and the weight of that was so like exactly what I needed to hear. It was so perfect that it was just like feeling the sun hit my face for the very first time. And as I walked into the house, uh, I saw my wife and she looked at me and her, her words were, oh my God, you're back. Mm. And um, <clears throat> a lot of emotion there to, to just re recount that moment and relive it a little bit in my own mind's eye. Um, but it was the first time I felt back. It was the first time I really felt like, oh my God, I, I am going to be fine. Like, again, the logical side knew like, if I just keep doing the things, I'll be fine. But to have the feeling in my heart was immense and it had so much gravity and there was like love for the first time. And it was like, I was breathing the air and feeling the sun and, you know, feeling the touch of my, of my wife's embrace and my children. And I still wasn't sure exactly what it meant, but I knew I felt better. And so, you know, a few days later, I went back to my journaling and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to journal exactly everything that happened in that session with Peter. I'm going to write out everything that I can possibly remember. And as I started to, uh, because I speak into my journal, because I'm one of those people that my, my pen can't write as fast as my head is going. So I have this voice to text journal that I use. As I started going through that, I started to realize I'm not at all journaling about what happened. I'm channeling this, this vision of my highest self. And as an intuitive and as somebody that started to realize that these words were coming out, were, were the, the sight that I have on the man um, that I wanted to become, um, I've called it the, the divine masculine prayer of remembering. And I'm, I'm happy to, to share it here because I think it really um, articulates exactly who I feel that I am. And so um, it goes as such. Um, <clears throat> I've seen a vision of my highest self and he's presenting such a fantastic embodiment of the divine masculine that I must speak these words as a prayer of remembering and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I say this prayer with all the grace and humility I can muster. This prayer has already been answered. He is a powerful man and yet does not diminish or humiliate others to show this power. It's more of a quiet confidence and a presence than anything he says. He's not about braggadocia or talking himself up, 
but rather a man whose actions align with his words. He is truly a man of service that does the right thing because he acts from a space of integrity. He takes what he believes is the right course of action, regardless if he's alone or in the mix of a crowd. The eyes of others never dissuade his decisions because of what they may or may not think of him. He is so confident in who he is that he never wavers from this path. He understands his impact on others and how his actions may inspire them to be a more genuine version of themselves just by witnessing a man living in his full embodiment. He has a level of calm throughout the chaos, a true warrior's mindset that despite all the bullets being fired in his direction and storms raging on around him, this man has been to war so many times and seen so many changing seasons that he never lets the external chaos impact his inner peace. He isn't afraid to put himself in harm's way to help others find safety. He knows when to take his opportunity to increase the peace and remove the enemy as well. He also understands the difference between the sounds of danger and the boom of thunder from an oncoming storm. He doesn't reach for his weapon when he hears this, but rather his dancing shoes so we can all celebrate in the coming rain. He is a calming force to all those in his life and to many a fatherly figure who seek his wisdom, both older and younger. He views other people in this same light, not relying solely on their insight to make his decisions, yet always keeps an open heart when it comes to the experience of others and allows their perspective to be a part of his process. It brings him great joy to be around his children and around other kids as he watches their faces light up with all the possibilities of life. He loves to be silly and get into his imagination and into the imagination of those around him. He creates space for his inner child because he has long since recognized the importance of play, joy, fun, and curiosity. He seeks to help others connect to their inner child as well. Those times he finds himself quick to anger, he's even quicker to deliver an apology. He takes great pride in owning up to his side of the mess and as a result models this very behavior for all those in his presence. He's an incredible partner, friend, and family man. He is loved by all those who truly see him. His charisma, character, patience, and love are so abundant that it's undeniable to those who cross his path. He doesn't use these traits haphazardly or to manipulate those around him. He loves his partner and she loves him. He understands how to support the divine feminine. His very presence is enough to listen and receive any expression that may come through. At times, he may create space for her to be on her own, giving her a chance to connect to her own higher wisdom or encouraging her to speak her truth and share that power with others. He likewise isn't afraid of his tears or the tears of others. He sees them as holy water, a true gift from God, as connecting to our emotions is an amazing and beautiful expression of our humanity. He welcomes all sides of the human expression and sees the lightness and darkness in himself and in others as a divine work of art. He is trustworthy, open, and honest about his feelings, intentions, commitment to his family. He doesn't identify with the mask of the lover or even that of the great husband or father, but simply embodies all of those qualities. He remains a man of action whose North Star is always love. His foundation is built on truth, service, integrity, and compassion. He loves spending time in nature and being in harmony with it. It brings him a sense of ease and balance. He finds great joy in being surrounded by family and friends and bonding with them through laughter, exercise, dance, meditation, and helping others heal themselves. He makes it a point to spread whatever love and light he can out into the universe by any means necessary. 
He has immense confidence in his abilities and is incredibly optimistic and somehow knows that when he's around, things turn to gold. He stays humble about it as he knows that it's not just him. He is also a conduit for God and the universe to work through. And he acknowledges this constantly and never denies that his ego can get in the way. He accepts his ego as a part of life and by acknowledging this part of him moves through that energy and offers his gratitude for, to God for all the many gifts that he has received. He accepts things as they come to him without spending time saying, I wish it turned out differently. Instead, he looks for the lesson in everything and how it can help him and those around him. He has a vision for what he wants in the world, but isn't attached to it. He remains malleable and flexible in his ability to move and shift as things come into his awareness and into the collective consciousness. He is surrendered entirely to his healing power and wisdom. He knows that he doesn't just live in the third dimension, but rather inhabits multiple dimension and multiple dimensions, and is happy to proclaim his power and magic daily in any situation. He speaks of his channeling, manifestation, healing, and all the beautiful things he has witnessed in this world without fear or reservation for being judged. He sees no reason to hide his truth, for he is always his authentic self. His heart and integrity are so potent that when he speaks, all those who are listening can hear the depth of his faith. He doesn't spend time worrying about the how. He surrenders entirely to the universe's magic and allows it to unfold before him. He understands that words are spells, so when he speaks, his voice is heartfelt and truthful as he seeks to cast spells that manifest more beauty, love, and positivity into the world. I love him, for he is me and always has been. Amen, 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 aho, aho, aho. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I had so much emotion and energy running through my body. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. It was powerful. It was sensitive. Yeah. It was strong. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of emotion to to read. And I've, I've read it every day for the last uh, six months really? um, as that reminder, as that vow, every morning I get up and, and read it out loud. Um, because it's the reminder of, of who I truly am. And I think a lot of times when we go through things, we, we have this idea that we're broken or bent or bruised or whatever. And, and in a manner of speaking, we are broken because who we thought we were is breaking and what it's making room for is to reveal our truest essence. And we tend to identify with the broken pieces of us. And yet in order for us to reveal our true divinity, um, we have to break what is no longer serving us. We have to come through that. And so, um, you know, going through some of the things I've been through, I had a, a very big break. And uh, that was a lot of that darkness where I was really being planted. And so now when somebody asks that, that very beautiful question, right, um, this is who I am. This is who I'm, I'm remembering who I am more than anything, which is why I call it the prayer of remembering. Hmm. So powerful. And I love that perspective on we're breaking who we were. And, and you said it so eloquently. Um, I haven't thought of it that way, but I like that. It, it really does resonate. Um, and it just gives us a way to understand the impact of our environment and our conditioning, because it does have an impact no matter how grounded or spiritual or how much we've traveled in the astrals, you know, or how many plant medicine ceremonies we, we have done. 
um, there's just like this long lasting impact that constantly needs to, to unravel that deconditioning process, that breaking that you were speaking of. So thank you for that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an important one to share because I think we do have to acknowledge that who we thought we were is breaking. And I think that's part of some of the, the heartache and grief and pain that we feel is we, we think that we were that person and really the breaking of, of that part of our ego or that protector, that identity. Um, <clears throat> if you're really able to take a step back is revealing um, something beautiful that, that sits with inside of us. And I had a, a dear friend that said, uh, when I was going through all this, uh, her, her comment was, remember that in the Bible, it says God can only work through broken vessels. And, and I, when I heard that, I was simultaneously like, I love that, but I was like fighting it. And I was like, but I'm not broken. Am I broken? And then what dawned on me in that, that was again, at least true in my perspective was that, well, yeah, part of me is broken but it's revealing the truest essence of, of who I am and who we all are. And I think that's, you know, we've heard this a million times, Vanessa, right? It, life doesn't happen, you know, to us, it happens for us. When it's, when you're going through it, it's happening to you, right? Because you're holding on to that ego side. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then the, the beauty of that perspective is when we have a little bit of time and patience and we can step back from those things, we realize that some of the toughest moments in our life were some of the most beautiful. And, you know, in hindsight, when you look back at any of the things that, at least in, in my perspective that I've been through, that at the time I would have said, this sucks and this is terrible. I wouldn't trade any of those things for the world now. I wouldn't do a single thing differently. Mm. And I don't know that I could have anyway, right? Even if I had a time machine, like, would I tell myself? Because it's led me to be where I'm at now. And I'm, you know, starting to fall more in love with that person every single day, which is something that I wish upon all of us. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. It's a it's a journey, right? And I think sometimes people get a little impatient or they lose hope. Um, but just taking that one step forward, that next step each time, is sometimes that's all we have to hang on to, especially like you said, when we feel like life is happening to us. It's like, okay, if that's your perspective, that's it. Just take the next step when you can, you know? Yeah. True story. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey with self-love and maybe even start with what did it look like to live a life where you were self-abandoning, if that was true for you, or you had less or no self-love and, and then how did that lead you into your journey of self-love? Yeah. So, you know, I would say on the exterior, right, if I, I've, if I looked at what my life was before I started on the more spiritual path, um, I was successful in business, I married to a, a beautiful woman, um, just had two kids, you know, everything on the outside looked really good. And yet there was a, there was a lack of alignment uh, with my actions on a day to day. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily what I was doing to everybody else. It was really what I was doing to myself. And of course, when you do things that are out of alignment with yourself, uh, there's other people that get hurt as a result of that. And so um, I'll give you a, a, a context for that is uh, when I joined uh, Fit for Service uh, the first year and I was walking around with my wife, I'd brought her to Tulum uh, for the first time. 
and everybody was meeting us. And we we have a very radiant love. Uh, people constantly comment on, wow, you guys are so great. You're so terrific. And, and there was a lot of love there, uh, even back then. And yet when I was hearing that, it was like, you know, daggers in my back because I was, you know, being unfaithful at that time. And I was stepping out of that. And as great as our relationship was, I wasn't in alignment with truth. I wasn't in alignment with myself. And so um, my first experience happened to come in Tulum where I did this Temescal ceremony. And uh, I had a beautiful first ceremony. The, the Temescalero said, hey, why don't you come back for another one? Uh, I did. And uh, he said, before you come in for the next one, you know, ask the, your, your ancestors a question. And my question that I wanted to ask was, will I ever be worthy of self-love? And so I went in, they did the first round, the fourth, third round, you know, second, third, fourth, and the fourth one is when they call on the ancestors. And I remember sitting there, my grandma had appeared in my first ceremony. She appeared again, this time my, my mom's dad and my dad's dad were both there. And they looked at me in a very, you know, grandmotherly way. And they said, hey, it's great to see you. You know, we understand you have a question for us. And I was seeing them as clearly as I see you. And I felt her uh, hands touching me. And, and I said, yeah, like, what's the answer? And they said, no, you, you have to ask the question. And so it was like hard for me to get out at that time. I was like, you know, will I ever be worthy of self-love? And uh, they kind of looked at each other and laughed and looked back at me and were like, like in the most like grandmotherly, like you silly boy way, I was like, okay, well, what? And they're like, well, you can't be worthy of something you already are. And I said, mm, okay. That part. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's the heat, but like, I, what are you guys really like? I don't get it. What are you saying? And so my grandma said, well, the rain, when it falls from the heavens, doesn't ask if it could be a part of the ocean. It just is. And when it, you know, goes up, you know, to colder climates, it doesn't ask if it can freeze and be a part of the iceberg. When it evaporates and goes back into the heavens, it doesn't ask if it's worthy to be amongst the clouds. You can't be worthy of something you already are. And as she said that, she touched my arm again. And for the very first time, every time I tell this story, um, I felt like love. Like I felt a love like the way she looks at me. And I felt it for myself. And I was like, wow, like this is, I don't know if I've ever felt this in my life. And if I have, it's been a very, very long time. And I walked with that self-love and I really carried it for, for three or four days. I was like, I'm fixed. This is it. And then it went away. <laughs> and then it, the very clear message was, and now the work begins to get back to that space. Cause that's what it feels like right there. And you had a taste. You had something. And I had a taste. You had a marker now. Yeah, I knew I knew what the destination was, right? I, right. I knew what it mm -hmm. felt to really love myself. And it was really about um, alignment and speaking my truth. And sometimes I say that to people and they get to a thing like, yes, the truth and this. It, it was really for me as my emotional truth, where I was at, what I was feeling. Um, you know, was I saying I was fine when everything was really not fine? Uh, was I trying to put on the mask to show everybody I'm fine? Look at me. I'm strong. I could do this. And when I started to realize that when I have a safe space and I've, and I am comfortable and I can create those safe spaces, that it's fine to articulate when we're not okay. It's fine to articulate that we need some help or we need some extra love or we need some spaciousness, right? We, I need to, I, I guys, I just, I need to be alone for a little bit, right? All of those things are okay, but yet the mask that I've worn as a, a people pleaser and 
always worrying about everybody else's feelings. I'd made myself so selfless that I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm. And self-care is a huge part of loving yourself. If you can't, you can't feed somebody else if you're starving. You can't give them water if you're thirsty. You can't help at the same level if you're not doing the things. And that doesn't mean being selfish. It just means filling your cup first. So when it's overflowing, you can give with complete abundance to all those in your life. And, and that was a lesson that took me probably another you know year and a half, two years to learn after that, because I had to start getting into those practices and, and honoring that and, and go through the trials and tribulations of life happening for me to show me what that looked like over time. And so that yeah. was a, it was a, a slow process at first, but just like you said before, it's, it was like the little steps that I started to make where I realized, okay, well, I do feel better on days where I get up and I just do my yoga right away. And I get a, even if it's like a 10 minute meditation or five minutes, like I feel more settled. Like maybe I should cut out more time to do that and just making the decision to start doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you said something, we're going to stick a pin in, in your actual story just for a quick sec. Cause you said something sure. that kept like kind of repeating for me, like an echo and you said, it's like, we all try to wear these masks, like everything is okay. And yes, it can happen a lot more often before we feel like we have these awakenings or these big breakthroughs or these moments of enlightenment where we actually kind of feel like we graduate right into like the new grade, I call it here in earth school. Um, but everyone is still susceptible to those, those moments of, of feeling, um, feeling like they can't ask for help or, or show that deep vulnerable side. And the, the side note I wanted to make is earlier this year, you and I had the pleasure of being in a healing container and you facilitated it, or you were one of the facilitators. And even me as a healer at that time, what, what month was that? Was that February, January, something so. like that? Yeah. I think yeah. It was and, you know, I serve a lot of people on a daily basis. I love what I do. Like, I, I go crazy for one-on-one -on -one sessions. I know a lot of people don't like what I want. Like, I've just, I feel like I'm on purpose for right now where I'm at and even at that time. But I felt that healing container that you facilitated uh, for me and a friend of mine. It caught me at that moment where I was starting to put up that mask again, right? I was falling back into an old pattern. Like, I'm a healer. I'm a coach. Everything's great. I know everything. You know, it's just like, and that's not like that egotistical side. I, I call it like a spiritual ego that some of us can have. And I do IFS therapy. And so for my business, and, and I don't think the ego is bad. I, I like to think the ego is our amigo, similar to what you said. But anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. And you, by the way, you held that space. Like I was, <laughs> for anyone listening, I'll just give you guys a glimpse. Um, obviously, you don't know what kind of healing container it was, but I just, I had no choice but just to let it rip, just to like scream and yell and throw my, my body across the room. And I don't know if I kicked someone, like, I don't know what happened, right? <laughs> I was just like, there was just energy that had to get out of my body. And it was, I was self-imposing this trap, this prison, because I was so busy being like, 
I'm serving humanity, you know, I'm helping other people heal, but it's like, no, 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 or yes, yes, yes. But also fill up your own cup again. It's a constant thing. Cause I also think a part of me was hanging on to like, oh, I've done six years of healing straight. Like I'm good for a while. I could serve everyone and I'll deal with my stuff later. If, if there's anything left, like, like that's literally, I'm being very transparent about some of my thoughts, right? I know it sounds very yeah. narcissistic, <laughs> But, but that's well, where I, I was at. Obviously, I'm not there anymore, but that's where I was like headed. And so I'm so glad I caught myself. And again, I just wanted this, I just wanted to take time in the middle of this just to say thank you for rolling that container because that was like an awakening for me. Like, you know, everything's not gonna be fine and, and dandy, no matter how many people I'm serving, no matter how much knowledge I have, no matter how many certificates I'm always getting certifications, like almost every four months. It's like I'm a new certification that I'm I'm in, right? And which I love because I love learning, but I just have to remind myself, no matter how much I know, I just, I'm here to be honest. I'm here to be transparent. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. And thank you for that share. I think um, if we're being honest for us, uh, you know, with ourselves rather, we all can get into that trap where it's like, oh, I've I've done the work. I'm doing the work. And you you get into that space and it's, you know, spirit, God, the universe, however you want to, you know, internalize it for yourself will well, find a, an opportunity to humble you and remind you oh, yes. that there's more work <laughs> to be done and there's there's more opportunities. And I think it's it's really sort of this imperative that we have to continue to operate from that space of vulnerability and transparency and, and showing what real strength is, which is diving into your vulnerability and letting others know, like, I don't have all the answers. I've done a lot of work and I still don't have all the answers in that I'll collect as many as I can. And hopefully that helps you and me along the way. Right. I'm figuring some shit out constantly. Right. Right. Sometimes it just feels like we're throwing spaghetti at the wall. Right. It's just like, is it going to stick? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Trial and error. Let's see. Right. (laughs) Well, I think that's what makes for really, you know, powerful healers too, is, is I know my perception, at least when I started down this path, it was like, oh, these are the people who figured it all out. Like, these are the people who are like, they're, they're just walking around with the answers and it's almost the exact opposite. It's like, they've gone through so much shit. They've gone through so many things that that's why they're able to hold strong in the light and carry that frequency. And when they're in the shadow to be able to talk about them be, themselves being in the shadow and what they're going through. And so most of the healers, you know, I would say this very affectionately, are some of the most beautifully fucked up people that you're ever going to come across because they have been in it and they just happen to have right. done the work to, to share it and be be vulnerable yeah. in that space. The wounded healers know. are the best healers because we've been to dark and back a few times yeah. <laughs> or more than And we'll continue to go, right? And continue to go. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment. Gluttons for punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. So now I want to shift a little bit um, into more of the fidelity that you mentioned. So give us a glimpse, give us a summary. What was this battle with, with infidelity? We we might understand, you know, lack of self-love and gratitude and appreciation for yourself, which is, a you know, a ref- how you treat other people is a reflection of how we treat ourselves, right? So that might be part of it. And what else did that entail? What did it look like? Yeah, you know, it, it, um, now I can speak to it much more clearly with the, the benefit of hindsight and, and all the meditation and therapy and medicine ceremonies really have an understanding of, of what it looks like 
and and I'll but I'll, I'll say for me going through it my the only way I really processed and felt love was through physical connections and intimacy right and so that happened to be physical connections of intimacy with other women and it didn't matter at the time that I was married right this was the validation that I needed this was the validation that said I am worthy and I am enough and it also looked like that with um you know, having to be funny and generous and all of these things that were they're great skills and things that I've learned. But I also realized that they were defense mechanisms, because if I put this image out there, you don't have to see the real me. So I could be the, the class clown. I could be, you know, overtly funny and 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 charming and all these things, which are beautiful gifts to have. And I, I see them as that now. And yet the way I was using before was very much uh, this crutch to help me along because I was not comfortable with who I was. I wasn't comfortable with myself. And as I started to really peel back that onion and look at the layers, um, you know, growing up and having some sexual trauma and some of the things that had happened, um, you know, I, I had um, my uh, somebody who had uh, molested me when I was a child, a, a girl who was older than me. She was uh, about five years older than me. And she was trying to be intimate with me, but I was six or seven years old. And, you know, she said, well, you can't tell your parents about this, but this is how like adults like show that they love each other. And, and I remember hearing that and being like, well, okay, like, I don't really get it. And I'm just for like wrestling kind of, and I don't know what this is. And i just remember feeling very confused and conflicted and trying to have a discussion about that with my mom. And she was like, you're wrestling, just tell her you don't want to wrestle, right? And like, cause I didn't have the words to articulate what that, that was actually going on and what was happening. And so it was like a part of me all of a sudden like shut down with this communication about things that I didn't understand, which is why I projected this image of like loud and boisterous and gregarious person. And, and oh, like, well, am I really, I'm not worthy of love unless that guy likes me and this girl wants to be with me and dot, dot, dot. And so I, that's how I would continue to seek love. And, you know, when I look back on it now and I realize the ramifications of, of what that did for my partner and I and how that could have really potentially, you know, damaged my, my family unit with two kids, it was a, a very scary time. And I think where I was very blessed and how I see it as a gift from the universe is when I started to come back in alignment with myself and I realized, well, if I really love myself, I have to have a conversation with my wife. And although I'd stopped those actions for about almost two years by the time I told her, what I realized was I was carrying this around. And, and at first I was like, well, I don't want to do this because I don't want to hurt her and I don't want to do this. It got to a point where... My, my wife and I were in Joshua Tree with some friends. Um, uh, Alex Ruiz, Sebi, a bunch of people. Yeah. That you know. Oh, uh, we, all my favorites. <laughs> all, all the crew, right? We're out there and we're having a beautiful ceremony or a little bit of psilocybin. And we're, Alex is playing the guitar and we're singing. And just everybody is laughing for like three and a half hours, just cracking up, laughing, spirit of community. And we walk, uh, my wife and I walk back into the bedroom. And she holds my hand as we walk in. She goes, babe, I love you. I feel like we can get through anything. I'm so happy that we're together. And it was this beautiful moment. And then five seconds later, it felt like the room was shaking violently. And it was, I just could hear the universe going, now, 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 tell her now, now, now. And it was this violent shake. 
And I had to excuse myself out of the room. And I walked into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I, I found myself in this negotiation of like, I'm not doing this right now. It's one in the morning. We're in Joshua Tree. This is going to be a scene. I will tell her tomorrow. I promise. Tell her I, about I the, the infidelity. infidelity. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as the next day came, I woke up with this heaviness and this dread about what was going to happen because here I've got to tell the person that I love, you know, the, the most in this world, I have to hand her this, this package of my truth, which is wrapped with my heart, but it's wrapped in barbed wire and sandpaper and rusty nails. You know, it's this terrible truth that I, I have to be able to, um, to communicate to her. And so, you know, and, and the reason I talk about this so much now is because, you know, what I view as important and, and a lot of my friends were like, don't do this, man, don't, don't do this. I had no choice. Like if I wanted to live in my truth, it wasn't a matter of me telling her or not telling her, or it wasn't even offload, don't offload your burden. Like that's yours to carry. It was like, no, man. Like what, what you guys are missing is that I am not living in my truth. I can't be free if I'm hiding this from anybody. And so, you know, I, I told her uh, it did not go very well. I, I wish I had planned a little bit better. I wish I had prepared a little bit better. And that said, I also know that's the best I could have done at the time. It was it was the best I, I could have possibly done in that moment. Um, but, you know, she she left me. She she went to go visit a friend. Um, she was gone. I was a, a single dad for, you know, eight days, uh, which didn't feel like a lot, but to all of a sudden have a partner and then not have a partner and have them leave on that, that term, it was, it was really, really brutal. And, you know, I, I still remember the day it was December 6, 2020. Mm. And um, it was a really long road back to get through that because we had to unpack her hurt, what she was going through, what I was going through and the truth. And well, was anything ever really real if you were hiding these things from me? And so going through those steps to live in your truth is never an easy process. And yet I would tell you that, you know, I sit here and it's going to be almost three years and less than 30 days from that point. Uh, we are truly stronger, um, more connected, more in love than we've ever been. Um, it's not to say that there's not still some moments of hurt that arise and some uh, some pain that we step through and we're stepping through those things together. And we really got to clear so much as a result of that because you know at, at a certain point she goes, well, you know I <clears throat> I see the man you are and I know that that you're not going to do that again. I really believe that in my heart. And I still have to work through some of these pieces. So, um, you know, it was it was a tough year and a half, two years. Um, and then this last year, we've really just sort of hit our stride again and uh, connected on all new levels. And I just I got to tell you, like, I feel free. She feels free. I, I know that I'm a better, more truthful, more loving, more caring husband and father and friend and son and brother and all of those things as a result of, of setting not just myself free, but us free and really falling in alignment with, with my highest self, my truest self. And, you know, as hard as that can be for, for, for times and couples, um, man, if, if you can find the courage and the place to do that, um, 
the amount of liberation that you get from it is is unparalleled and it's really just like i said it's put us in the stratosphere is where our relationship is now yeah powerful and i i love the energy that's that the two of you have together in photos and in person and um I think what people are feeling, because you said other people have commented on it too. It's like you guys have the, the soulmate energy where you just complement each other so perfectly. Um, you just, it's one of those relationships where you just know this one was planned before you <laughs> came into your your body. I believe you probably believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so that's what the rest of us are receiving and it's inspiring it's really, really inspiring. And I met you at a time where I guess things weren't perfect. And I met you in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, we were doing ice baths at your house. And, you know, obviously, I didn't know the details, but it's just, it's just inspiring to see the the transformation. I mean, I thought you guys were strong, then not to say that you weren't, but it just sounds like you were still navigating some things. Yeah. But, um, but this is what we, we need to talk about, right? That the challenges that people are having in conscious union, because it's not easy. And I think people think like, oh, once if you had an awakening and the other person had an awakening, you guys both are working on yourself. Everything should be easy. And it's like, ah, there's so much deep excavating, like going back to your childhood experience. And I'm sure she has, has probably had her own things to navigate. You know, it's not just all about Chris's childhood and what Chris has been through. It's also what your wife has has been through too, and what she's de deconditioning and healing from. And so this brings me to my, my next a couple questions here. How do you maybe just for, for a quick, um, basic, uh, identification of the word, how do you identify or define a conscious union or, or divine union either way? And what are some of the attributes of that so that the listeners can, can, kind of grasp onto something what are some of the attributes of a divine union wow that's a, a beautiful question i would say well the first thing that comes into my head is really the acceptance of the other person you can accept all of them their lightness and their darkness it's it's not about trying to change a person for what you want but the allowance for change that that they see is important and that they see as as you giving them the grace to move and shift because you know as people i think if in my opinion if we're doing it right we're constantly evolving and shifting you're perfect the way you are and and there's this and. beautiful opportunity <laughs> to grow right not but yeah, and. not it's but both of those exactly <laughs> And so the allowance for somebody to really step into a place where, where they can grow and you can grow and you can grow together. And look, sometimes you, you know, if it's like two trees, sometimes they'll kind of swivel apart a little bit in places and then they'll grow back together and, and leaving room for, for a person's light and dark that you are really willing to accept, you know, all of the pieces of them um, to me is, is the key. Um, what does that look like? You know, it's it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It's healthy communication. It's being able to, you know, set an intention to speak your truth and for you to receive your partner's truth uh, from a space of love, right? 
because we've all heard the expression, yeah, sometimes the truth cuts like a knife. Well, yeah, if you use any tool like a weapon, it's going to hurt, right? And so, you know, for us, we, we had um, a, a lot of sacred ceremonies. We would use uh, MDMA um, and, and do some really beautiful ceremonies almost monthly, every six weeks to eight weeks, we would sit down, especially as we were going through this, but, but before we were going through this, and it allowed us to sit together and from a space of open-heartedness, communicate the things that maybe, you know, we wouldn't be able to say when we were in, you know, our regular working days because of the kids or this and being able to carve out space. But I'll tell you that the, the, the divine, you know, heart opening ceremonies that we had together were also a key piece of our healing because in receiving some of the things that she had to tell me, um, cause she had, you know, she had gone through her shares of, uh, of some infidelity as well. And she had sexual trauma as, as a child from her, you know, stepfather molesting her from the age of four mm. to you know eight years old. And then again, oh, later wow. on. Mm. And, and so like, you know, here's the sexual trauma that she's stepping through. And there's the sexual act that I've, you know, done outside of our marriage and mm. stepping into those pieces together. And I remember when we had a Molly ceremony and she finally told me about uh, her infidelity and it was like, it was really hard for her. It was really, really hard for her to share those things, of course. And yet as we sat there and, and I listened and we walked through it a little bit, she said, do you forgive me? And I said, no, there's nothing to forgive. I accept you. I accept all of you. There's there is no forgiveness in this situation that is needed. If you need me to say it, I will tell you yes. And yet I accept all of these parts because you're beautiful and you can't have the light without the dark. And the shadow is just as beautiful and as divine as anything else when we step it and we start to cast it into the light and talk about it. And it loses more, you know, it loses its power that way in terms of what we hold on to for guilt and shame. And so by being able to just articulate something so freely to, you know, your partner, um, for me, it was the first step in being able to share all of this with the world, because eventually I said, you know, I have this, one of my gratitude practices I, I, that I do every morning too, as I say, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for transmuting our shadow into light energy so we could heal ourselves as individuals who come together as two separate pillars and share our story vulnerably with others to allow them to heal themselves and others as they step forward into their truth with a new hope, right? So I, I've been saying that gratitude since 2019. And now I look back at it, I was like, wow, like some piece of me really knew, like some piece of me really knew that I wanted to be able to share this and articulate it. And it meant I had to step through it with my wife first. And you know, when I started talking about it publicly and going on podcasts, I was like, hey, are, are we are we in a space that I can share this now? And yep, let's let's go. Let's go forward. But that goes back to that liberation we were talking about. Like it just I, sometimes it's hard to talk about, but most of the time it just makes me feel like, yeah, this is that's who I was. That's not yeah. who I am. That's who I was. And guess what? It shaped this man here. And I'm pretty yeah. proud of this guy right now. And I and I love this guy. Yes. Yes. Transparency provides that liberation, that freedom, obviously with discernment, right? Make sure you're speaking to the right people at the right time, of course, but of course. there is that liberation. And and you listened to one of my recent podcasts um, telling my story and gosh, that relief is priceless because 
it's just showing the world who you are and what you've been through. And I love what you said. Like, there's no, there's nothing to forgive. I accept. And I haven't really articulated how I've always, I've wanted to do some social media posts on like how to describe that, that concept of just accepting, because then we don't really need forgiveness. And, you know, sometimes forgiveness, there's like an underlining current of judgment because, you know, if we can't accept it, like that we're kind of judging it. I've learned that from someone I look up to, uh, Shaman Dirk. He, he was the first to kind of bring that to my attention and that resonated, but I love it. You were just like, no, I, I, I accept you. You were telling your wife, like, look, I have compassion. I, I, you know, I accept what has taken place. Like there's no reason for me to place so much judgment or shame on you for what you did. You were just like, I accept it. And that to me, Chris, thank you for sharing that. Cause people can listen to this and, and see like, oh yeah, that's a conscious relationship. Those are two people that have done the work and continuing to do the work and they are doing their best to, um, to bring in that enlightenment. And I think enlightenment, everyone has their different definition, but I think it's acceptance of what is, you know, like even for myself, I just need to accept that there's some dark, a lot of darkness in this world. When I was waking up, that was hard for me. But now I feel like I'm a little bit more enlightened because I accept that I'm not trying to fight it and resist all the darkness in the world. I just play my little part, you know, for what I could do. And, um, and just staying true to, to myself, but yeah, really, really powerful for you to share that. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to share. And, and I think to that point, it's, it's um, the more you can have acceptance in your life, particularly because a lot of the things we were talking about were things that I had compassion for because I knew how hard it was to tell her. I knew yeah. that, you know, that those were some of the, the, you know, sins, as they say, you know, missing the mark is, a, a, is what classically a sin is. I missed the mark in those opportunities. And, and yet I could not change it. I could not do any better than I've done. And the more I realize it, it's giving me even more compassion for now. I can find compassion in my heart for things that, I don't see in a million years how someone could do that. And I still have compassion for the fact that you've done it or gone through it or, or, or whatever those things are. It's really sort of just raised this game because someone I'm so close to um, and and I, we step through those things in such a beautiful way to really traverse those things and go back to them. And and that's why I think the, the power, you know, like you said, talking about it is, you know, the hardest thing about feeling, you know, off or out of alignment is feeling like you're alone and you're, you're, everyone else has got it figured out and I don't. And it's like, the truth of the matter is we're all figuring shit out. We're all just trying to do our very best. And when you hear other people talk about it so freely and and openly and honestly, it, it does give them this grace to, to perhaps, you know, inject some of that into their own life and, and to find that grace for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I want to add something on since we're kind of talking about divine union, we're going to wrap up here shortly, but I want to add something on just as in the, in the definition, let me know your thoughts on this. I think I kind of define it for myself. It's, and it's a loose definition as well. It's, it's flexible. It's not like a hardcore rule. Um, I I can never do any (laughs) rules that are black and white. I'm always in between the lines, but um. I kind of see like a a divine union or a conscious union as 
yes, the, the, the other person helping you see yourself, right? Like they, they are agreeing to be that mirror for you, willing to create that intimacy into me, I see, or into you, I see kind of thing, just that reflection. And then also, um, I kind of see it as they're there, our partners, our loved ones are there to teach us how to have boundaries for ourselves. Because once we have boundaries for ourselves, like I'm going to say no, I need to say no to this. You know, I feel like I should say yes, but I need to say no. I need to honor my energy. I need to honor my time. I, you know, I need to set up my container, my environment, that kind of thing. Um, And then also in turn, we can have boundaries for the relationship, but those boundaries is, is what allows us to self-preserve and honor us. Otherwise we're leaking energy. We're not as intentional, you know, that kind of thing. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's beautiful. I, I've, I've heard, um, <clears throat> I've heard it articulated, articulated this way and it really resonated with me. Um, and I wish I could give this person credit, but uh, I cannot think of their name right now. But they said, um, in every relationship, you're you're dealing with three relationships, really. You're dealing with your relationship to yourself. You're dealing with the relationship that that person has with themselves. And then you're dealing with the relationship between the two of you together. And so in honoring a boundary of, like, now my wife knows, like, in the morning, like, I get up, it's, I'm going to help undo the, uh, unload the dishwasher real quick, get the kids' vitamins out. And then for the next hour and 10 minutes, I'm going to be out there, you know, in the backyard, like, you know, doing my meditation, doing my ground. Like I, I need that time. And that time is sort of a, you know, a no fly zone, if you will, like maybe she'll come out and say something, but it's like, leave daddy alone. Like this is the space that he needs. And then I come back on, you know, give him a kiss and, and send them on their way. I know that my wife needs to come home and do her workouts and, you know, she wants to listen to her podcast while she's folding the laundry and she just, she wants her space there. And so as you start to identify those boundaries for yourself, um, again, my perspective is if you're doing it right, you're also giving the allowance for that person to have those same boundaries. Like, what do you need to do to feel the most alive and embodied and in love with yourself? Because I want that person in the relationship. And so I'm going to support that spaciousness and that time is going to be sacred. So her sacred time is sacred to me. And I know that my sacred time is sacred to her. When we come together again, right? It, it's beautiful because now we're in alignment. We've dropped in. We've done the things that are, we need to connect to our souls and thus to each other. Beautiful. I love that. Absolutely. So important. Again, it ties in with what you were saying about filling up your own cup. It's not about being selfish, but it's about honoring your own needs, giving each other the space, right? That each person needs and and requires so that they can fill up their own cup, pour into them. And then you guys can show up a hundred percent, you know, when you are together, that's so beautiful. Do you have a, a tip, either one tip, maybe two tips for anyone out there and and maybe they want to really tap more into this idea of a divine union maybe they're awakening together maybe they're new you know you never know what are what are two tips that might be easy to at least start with or implement yeah absolutely um i'll share two things that have been really helpful with us um one of them is uh 
It sounds so silly, but I love it. Uh, every Wednesday or every Thursday at 8 p.m., we have what we just call a, a check-in night. And um, we put the kids down to bed. And for one hour, um, you know, and Tuesdays and Thursdays are, are no TV days anyway. But Tuesdays and Thursdays, no TV. But Thursday night, it's what's going on with you? Like what, what's alive? What's present with you? How can I support that? Is everything okay with us? And we spend, sometimes it's, you know, maybe only 20, 30 minutes. I feel great. I love you. Let's, you know, go be intimate. Let's huddle and kiss and blah, blah, blah. Uh, other times, yeah, this came up for me. And I, I wanted to tell you, but I didn't have the time or the space. And, you know, particularly if, if uh, there's couples with kids out there creating that space and having it on the calendar weekly is it's so powerful because my phone rings, her phone rings, it goes off as a calendar alert. And if we're in the opposite room or even if we're in the same room, we just kind of look at each other like Thursday night check-in, like, here we go. Like, let's start talking. And it just allows us to, to be able to drop in and have a conversation about maybe some of the things that, that uh, got swept under the rug just because of happenstance, not because we sure. wanted them to, but just because life. Have that time. <laughs> life is always moving. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, hashtag life and shit, like, you know, things yeah. happen. <laughs> And so like, that's a, that's a really, really powerful one. Um, and, and another one that I would say is finding somebody that, that you guys can talk to together, right? Whether that's uh, a, a therapist uh, is, is great. If you find the right one, therapy can be, it's fun, been phenomenal for, for my wife and I, we've moved through a lot of things. We have a, a, an amazing therapist who knows all about the, the the plant and animal medicines that we've done, all about the ceremonies of MDMA. And look, she's, she's keenly aware of everything and there's no judgment. There's, oh, what people that is beautiful. came from that. And, and so being able to find someone that can, um, I don't even know if I'd say referee for us. We're, we're past needing a referee. It's more like perspective shift and share, right? Like Shirley, tell more about where these tears are coming from right now and asking really beautiful and poignant questions that can get us to, to dive in. Um, if people aren't inside of therapy, um, I, I say that, uh, you know, I have what I call a, a sacred union uh, council that uh, are they're friends that you can call on. Um, the first friend should be someone that's just going to listen and will yeah. not provide feedback. They're just, I'm right, that neutral space, neutrality. No in this yeah, environment I, is important. I'm honestly just listening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second person should be someone who can hopefully do that and be able to tell you where you're wrong. Because Reflect a lot back of times, yeah, because a lot of times we go to somebody and like it, it will keep making calls until we find that person, like, hell yeah, I agree. Leave yeah. that motherfucker. <laughs> like he's not like, well, that's not helpful either, right? Like, I no. want so I want my friends to tell me, like, yeah, bro, uh, you're wrong. You kind of that was a little rough the way you even said it to me. And I'm sure you toned it down from what you said. So, so someone that can really reflect back to you what's going on there and where you might be missing the mark. Cause that's a real friend that can, that can articulate yeah. that from a space of love. And then the third person should be somebody that has in a committed relationship that you love or you love their love, hopefully both of those things, and you aspire to be where they're at at some point, mm. because then they can give you very tactical things on how they themselves have worked through that already. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and that's important, really, really important, because 
I think a lot of times, right, we, we can get this advice and they're like, well, this is how you make money and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, don't you make $24,000 a year? Yeah. Like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want my relationship advice to come from somebody to talk about working through in, in very limited circumstances. A therapist might be the exception to that perhaps. But like, like if I'm going to a council, a non-licensed you know, licensed therapist, I, I want to make sure that, that the model for their relationship is something that I have insight yes. into. I look up to respect and love and adore those people in that relationship because right. then they can say, Chris, this is how we've moved through it. Right. Because they've done theory. the work. That's what we're basically saying, guys. We're, we're saying, especially this third person that Chris is highlighting, choose someone that has done the work. So not just because they're married and they're in a committed relationship, because that doesn't yeah. mean that they're doing mm -hmm. the work. It's again, like you could see into their, at least a glimpse uh, enough, you could see into the relationship en enough and trust your intuition and something that you can look up to, not on a hierarchy, but like an appreciation, like admiration. And yeah. and I always thought about you guys that way. I just, I, I had an admiration just for that energy. And I'm, I speak energy more better than I speak English. <laughs> so, so, you know, I I'm might be you. different in that sense, like how I was kind of like catching on to that. So early on, you know, early on in me meeting you guys, yeah. that's what I'm kind of saying. But yeah, that is, that is powerful. Thank you for that. Those three things. Hopefully you guys um, heard that if you need to rewind, rewind, you know, kind of make some notes in your phone, write it down on a post-it because almost every day I'm talking to someone whether it's a friend, a family member, or a client who is struggling with romantic relationship, especially in the consciousness space, right? When they're really want to, when they're really wanting to continue to live this conscious lifestyle. So that is golden information. Thank you so much. Of course, pleasure. Beautiful. So we're going to wrap up. It today has been such a pleasure. Like I'm just so excited. <laughs> what a great conversation and. Maybe we'll have you back because you have so much more to share. And I, you, um, and by the way, guys, we're not ending just yet, but just look for Chris's uh, information in the show notes, his social media stuff, because uh, he's an amazing human being, a great space holder. Again, he facilitated one of my <clears throat> healing experiences earlier this year. And it was just his presence, your presence that's like the divine masculine. Cause I was like this crazy, wild, feminine, raging river, screaming, crying, okay. like all of the things, <laughs> right? Like it was like a danger zone. <laughs> I'm, I'm making fun. I'm probably exaggerating, making fun of it. I mean, uh, anyway, but, uh, but that's the masculine being able to witness the feminine, all these roller coasters that we go through. And this kind of ties back into that beautiful written. I don't know if it, it wasn't a poem, but that beautiful written channel message that you gave us at the start of this you know just laying out who you are this divine masculine energy you did say something in there in that writing in that channel message about witnessing the feminine holding space for her in in all of the the waves that can happen so beautiful my very last question is i like to talk about this concept of a new earth um, and do you believe in the concept of new earth? And if so, what does that look like for you from your perspective? Yeah, another phenomenal question. And yes, I would happily come back. It's been a, a, a great rapport and, and back and forth as, as I've 
knew it would be. I think we we talked early on before we started, and I was feeling the energy of it too. So uh, I would happily accept that uh, if it comes back around. Um, yeah, you know, the, I think the concept of a new earth for me is really about us truly rem not only remembering, but embodying the natural gifts and power that we all have. And for whatever that looks like for so many people, we have a hard time really relating and, and seeing ourselves as that powerful, right? It's, uh, I mm. think it's the, the advent of, you know, superhero movies and all these things and these things that we like leap to because they're like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? And yet that's really a part of all of us. We are, we are all very much that powerful. And, you know, whether it's, you know, how we communicate and being able to tap into forms of telepathy and intuition and empathy, we have these gifts that that are are made manifest through us that, that can all be expressed in a, in a variety of ways. I believe in clairvoyance and clairsentience and all the things that that, that are out there and, and having experience with some of those things. I think it's this remembering and then the, the subsequent acceptance that this is who we truly are. And we've been told so many stories that that really create the space for us to forget to where we then put other people up on pedestals for the amazing gifts that they do, whether they're an athlete or a dancer or a singer. We all have an artist inside of us. We all have this, this powerful being inside of, inside of us that's capable of so many more. And so for me, a new earth is the acceptance of those things on a global scale to where the communication and the love and the embodiment of that love is so ubiquitous that you know you would be on the outside to not have accepted that part of your power yet and where we're raising our children with the understanding of what it means and what it looks like and the the responsibility that comes with it which is a beautiful responsibility to have i think most of us would trade you know that the responsibility of those gifts if we could really have them see them and understand them um, not from an egoic standpoint but um, you know, in some of my, the the messages that I've channeled for people, it's it's releasing your humanness and getting into hu your humanity. And mm. the human side is like limiting and this, and we're individuals and we're not connected. We're not these things. And when you step into your power and you step into your humanity, it's the connection of all divine beings here on earth and how beautiful that unicity actually feels that we mm. can all be a part of the same source and have these different and yet beautiful perspectives uh, that we share together. That's where music and art and love and all these amazing things come from. And, and that to me is, is how I would define a new earth. Oh man, that was beautiful. I just had full body chills. I feel like there were so many keys and codes in there for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying again. Fourth or fifth time I've already cried on this podcast. I love it. I love I love it. <clears throat> Emotions are are powerful. It's energy and motion. And this has been a moving conversation. And and I I just love purposeful conversations like this. And not that we always have to be emotional, but I think emotions are just proof that we moved a lot of energy through our words and our perspectives today. So thank you so much. So much gratitude for your presence, for your masculinity for your commitment to yourself and your family and to your own personal journey. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Thank you, Vanessa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And for everyone, please, uh, if you feel called, connect with him. Um, his information's in the show notes. See what he's up to. He's a, an amazing, brilliant human being. 
So yes, definitely keep up with him. Namaste. Take a breath with me on the count of three. One, two, three. And exhale. 